Can entrepreneurship be your ticket to fame and fortune? Hey, work for Mark Zuckerberg. And if you've got startup fever, stay tuned because my next guest, Dr. Ted Zoller, has a prescription for entrepreneurial success and how to separate the winning startup ideas from the losers. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Dr. Ted Zoller's mission is to help entrepreneurs be successful, and he does it in multiple ways. He's the director of the Center for Entrepreneurial Studies and T.W. Lewis Clinical Professor of Strategy and Entrepreneurship in the Keenan Flagler School of Business at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. The Center is a leading, nationally ranked entrepreneurship program focused on growth venturing and entrepreneurial leadership. Ted is also president of the United States Association for Small Business and Entrepreneurship. It's the largest American association of academics and practitioners dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurship. And as if that weren't enough, Ted is also a senior fellow at the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation, engaged in core strategies of the foundation in the area of entrepreneurship and serves as an active practicing entrepreneur. And what I love most about his background is how he approaches entrepreneurship from multiple perspectives, as a business professor, a practicing entrepreneur, and even as an investor board member, and founder of three organizations, Commonweal, Open Range, and Launch Chapel Hill. He meshes the theoretical with the practical to provide integrated strategies, and that's extremely powerful, which is why I'm so delighted to have him join us here today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Ted. Thank you so much, Hannah. I'm delighted to be with you. Well, this is terrific. I don't always have an opportunity to with somebody that has this diverse a background, and I'm really excited about it. You know, entrepreneurship is such a hot topic, and I'm wondering, in your experience, what's the best way for someone who's thinking about starting a business to prepare for entrepreneurship? What do you recommend they do first? Where do they start? Well, it's interesting. Some people really feel like they uh, can't uh, become an entrepreneur. They don't see when they look in the mirror a founder, and uh, it usually starts with a question. It usually starts with a problem. Uh, many people think, well, I need to have a great idea. Well, the truth is all they have to see is some kind of issue they would like to resolve or some kind of problem they would like to solve. And uh, I find that entrepreneurship is generally not about creating a great idea. It's about solving a problem in a very, very sophisticated and, and uh, complete way. Let's dig into that a little bit more. Let's talk about what you need in order to dig into that problem, and be sophisticated about it. You know, I find that our early stage founders uh, oftentimes uh, understudy uh, the idea. They, they don't take the time to really mechanically understand the problem. Uh, they don't study it with vigor. 
And uh, I find that serial entrepreneurs, people that have had success over the duration of their career, uh, take problems in a very, very um, uh, sophisticated way. They'll look carefully at the customer need or the, the, the problem that needs to be solved. They'll not just provide a Band-Aid. They'll provide a total solution. They'll cure the problem. Uh, they might attack it in many, many different ways. Uh, entrepreneurs call it the pivot. But in many ways, what we're talking about are different uh, approaches to the same problem. And uh, entrepreneurs who can stack a solution uh, to a complex problem are usually the ones that break out and become successful. The ones who just kind of cover the surface of the problem typically are not. Could you give me an example of that? So, um, you know, when you look into some of the uh, apps that are out there, uh, there's so many apps, you know, I too many people listening now uh, regret that 99 cents they spent for an app that they've never used again. But then there are other apps that are complete solutions, ones that manage your health, ones that manage your time, ones that manage your uh, approach toward uh, your work. Uh, these are the ones that become indispensable, and those are the ones that become uh, current, that become accepted, that become uh, really the, the currency of what uh, a customer wants. So they'll pay for it, and they'll uh, spend time with it. And I thought a more sophisticated way generally will uh, build a total solution that becomes the market standard, becomes the key driver in, in the market. Hearing you correctly, the total solution going into some of the nooks and crannies, not just a one-and-done type answer to a problem, is one of the keys to long-term entrepreneurial success. Is that fair? Absolutely true. And, and, and frankly, it's not a, a short process. Um, you have to examine and study the market, understand how people behave, understand people's sentiments, their orientation toward your solution, before you start to conceptualize the, the product or service that you're looking to offer. So by understanding the total solution and its implications in the market and how it connects to other things that are already out there, you're going to create a, a much more complete solution that uh, customers will accept. So more robust. Absolutely. You know, it, it turns out that uh, entrepreneurs uh, find themselves in many cases just solving part of the problem, and uh, they leave opportunities on the table as a consequence. And by digging in deeper, by studying that problem much more carefully, and by really understanding the full impact of their solution, they can come up with something much better than they originally conceived. People think it has to be something that comes out of their, you know, out of their ether, or something that comes out of their, you know, brain power. Uh, it's much more uh, involved than that. It involves co-creation with your customer, actually uh, asking your customer what they want, trying to get a, a sense of uh, how the customer might perceive your solution. That's interesting because and what they're willing to um, you know barter and, and trade for that solution, and what will they pay for? These are the things that will drive the difference between kind of a one-and-done entrepreneur and someone who can go the distance. Gotcha, absolutely. So this whole idea of the overnight success—you know, there's this sort of pop culture feel that yeah, it's just going to happen, and you know, somewhere between first semester and second semester, there's there's going to be this amazing thing that goes viral, and by the time somebody graduates, they're going to just retire. Um, what do you think about the overnight success? Is it really possible? 
it's so interesting. I was talking to an entrepreneur recently who was a friend of Mark Zuckerberg, and he kept on talking about the Zuck, the Zuck, the Zuck. And I, I, I talked about it almost like the Zuck distortion in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, and I, I have to admit, uh, we are going through an unparalleled period of our uh, society. Uh, our world has gone global, and our world has gone digital. And as a consequence, uh, there are opportunities in front of uh this generation that could not even been conceived by our parents and our grandparents, uh, business opportunities and business models that are available to entrepreneurs that, uh, uh, you know, could not have been launched even five years ago. Uh, so, you know, we are dealing with an unparalleled opportunity, and it is an opportunity to do things that are big, uh, like what uh, some of the uh, bubble entrepreneurs did in the first round and now uh, what's happening in the millennial entrepreneurial generation. But um, my sense is that's probably the wrong approach to uh, building a long-term serial entrepreneurial career. You've got to be thinking about the impact of what you're trying to do and be committed and diligent on the problem you're looking to solve. It's usually not a one-and-done type of situation. It's usually not an overnight success. It's usually not a billion-dollar valuation. It's usually the folks that are right around you now, the people that are the entrepreneurs that surround you, uh, that are making a difference every day in people's lives. Interesting. Well, in order to do this type of research, in order to prepare, and in order to have the commitment and the skill set to go with it, what are your thoughts about the need for formal education? Because some of these really successful entrepreneurs did not complete college. And so that kind of encourages folks to just, well, I can do it. You know, they've just got this burning desire. They've got that entrepreneurial fever. And is that a smart thing to do? Right. So it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, the, the University of Bill Gates, the University of Mark Zuckerberg uh, was a different university than what we have today. I think universities understand the impact of entrepreneurship and are starting to incorporate it into their coursework very, very centrally. Where I am at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, uh, it is a core uh, value of the university now. So I, I would argue first that the universities have transformed and have responded to a change in the market. But, you know, the truth of the matter is um, if you don't have a first market pressure, in other words, if, if your concept uh, would, would benefit from you taking some more time with it before you launch it and you, you know, really switch gears to become a founder, um, I think you're better off uh, holding your powder and uh, finishing your education and be, becoming a complete leader. Um, my sense is that um, the big issues that need to be solved require uh, people that are fully formed. And if you drop out of school, chances are you don't have the tools to really understand the, the problems that we're facing as a society, nor do we uh, have the tools to um, really build excellent solutions. So, uh, you know, I, I counsel my students all the time that are facing these issues every day, uh, do you stay in school? And I think the first question I ask is, if you stay in school, will you still have an opportunity when you graduate? If the answer to the question is no, then let's take a break. Let's uh, perhaps take a leave and see if you can get it to a certain point. And then the market will tell you whether or not you're intended to stay in school. But I coach my students every day uh, to, to try to remain committed to their degree path and try to complete their education, um, notwithstanding first market pressure. So this is a this is a friction. It's a trade-off. It's a challenge that's faced by millennial entrepreneurs today because it is an unparalleled time. It really is an amazing transformation that's occurring in the way that uh, people live, in the way that we work. You're right. It is an amazing transformation. 
But how can you respond to the students that say, look, I just don't have the money for tuition, and tuition being so high as it is today, I don't want to be in a position of having a startup, at, regardless of which stage of startup I am, probably pre-revenue, and have a huge you know, student loan debt on top of that. Um, how do you counsel someone in that situation for to the, the resources that might be available to become more fully formed, as you put it. Right. Well, it's a, it's an interesting challenge, I think, that people face. Um, you know, as the cost of uh, tuition goes up, I think that's a natural question people should ask. Um, and I think you have to look at the value of that education. But i got to admit, when Peter Thiel got out there and said, you know, I'm going to pay students to leave school to start their ventures, I thought that that was um, misguided. Uh, in many ways, because you're, you're not confident that the person has had the preparation to be successful over the long haul. Um, I think it's a false dichotomy uh, that's been formed by Peter Thiel. I think it's not a choice, do I graduate or do I do my venture? Why can't you do both? Um, I've built a program at UNC Chapel Hill, for instance, that uh, make that choice mute. Uh, there's no reason to make that choice. Uh, you can build your company while you're in school. We have a an amazing innovation environment that we built here at Carolina that is focused on uh, helping students to conceptualize their ideas, and then we even have a facility that accelerates those ideas called Lost Chapel Hill, uh, allows them to take those ideas to the next level and build a company while they're in school so they're prepared the day they graduate to launch. Uh, I've also had a few students have to accelerate their studies and find different ways to graduate, but I, I got to admit my uh, record is, is 100% at this point. Every entrepreneur, and we've had many, many, many successful entrepreneurs come out of our program, have graduated from the University of North Carolina. Well, that's fabulous to have a winning formula like that. And I'm sure in the process of building that program, you've also seen some of the surprises that entrepreneurs encounter uh, as they're trying to launch their businesses. Could you share some of those with us? You know, uh, it, the entrepreneurial process is like a roller coaster. There are days that are, you're flying high, and there are days where you're hitting the bottom of the, of the, of the track. Uh, in, in the early days of an entrepreneurial venture, those up and downs are, are common. I mean, this is the entrepreneurial process. People talk about it as risk, but the truth is it's, it's a euphoria and a, and a, and a deep low. And it happens in high modulation. Uh, I, I have to coach my students that, you know, many of whom have never really experienced failure, what entrepreneurial process is all about. Entrepreneurial process is, is, is basically accepting failure as a, as a common model. Um, every day you're getting the answer no. Every day you're hearing that the market might not accept what you think is a great idea. That's the adaptation. I, I ask them to really turn the market into the teacher. Uh, the market is telling you what it wants. Listen. Uh, try to adapt. Uh, build a model based on that feedback. Try to get um, a sense of the data that shows you a pattern and then respond to that pattern, adapt to that pattern, and build your next iteration based on that pattern. So, you know, uh, students face these problems every day. Uh, I've had a student uh, go out to California, got some funding uh, in Southern California, not, not in the Bay Area, and uh, has been very, very successful doing a, a product called CommuniGift. Uh, CommuniGift is making birthdays kind of on a BOGO basis, uh, a very special event for people. Um, and the founder, Thomas Duchin, was facing one of these challenges 
uh, of uh, do I graduate or do I finish community gift? And he was driven to finish community gift. So we figured out a way that he uh, has graduated now in May. Uh, community gift is being launched. I think it's going to change the world uh, in the way that uh, birthdays are conceived to support people who can't have those types of events. Uh, it is the ultimate nonprofit. But that experience was filled with, you know, setbacks and challenges and failures. And that becomes an everyday event for an entrepreneur. You've got to actually become Teflon and, uh, you know, let that stuff roll right off you. Uh, when you hear no, it's just part of the process. No could just mean maybe just not yet or maybe not That's in this form. Right. It doesn't mean exactly. I never want to see you again. <laughs> That's exactly right. Terrific. Now, I, I know that you've done some interesting research in the area of deal-making networks. Tell me about that. So um, I, I've had some research uh, focused on uh, syndication and how uh, investors find uh, connections to founders. And, I, you know, during 2009, after the financial crisis, I noticed that a lot of my uh, very successful founders had difficulty getting access to capital. And I found that the investors, in many cases, were hiding, uh, largely because they were afraid of risk. They, were, they didn't know what was going on. There was so much risk in the market, they weren't willing to take the chance. Um, I uh, said there must be a better way to find the investors who are best suited to uh, make an investment in a particular deal. And I thought maybe uh, big data would be the solution. So how do you search for the investor based on their past history that best suits my project? Uh, that best suits my um, investment opportunity. I developed an a algorithm called the DealMaker algorithm that um, focuses on the social network of investing. And we look specifically at uh, the nature of uh, uh, their past investment history, how they're connected to other people. And the notion is that you can find the right investor at the right time for your project. Well, that sounds terrific. So how do you make these stars line up? So uh, a big piece of it is trying to first understand who are the people that have done these projects and, and what is the value proposition to the entrepreneur. You're getting to much more skilled and facile entrepreneurs who have already been around there. The investors actually become partners of yours. They help you access not only future investment, but also partners that are, uh, for instance, corporations or, or, part, or channels that can help build your company. Uh, they develop uh, 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 routines that allow you to skip over some of the big challenges you might have. They smarten you up quick, more quickly uh, and get you on your path to success much more rapidly. Uh, as a result, um, dealmakers, uh, these are individuals who are super serial entrepreneurs. These are people that have done three, four, five, six different investments over time. Uh, they might have started five or six companies themselves. They generally know that market dead cold, and these are the individuals that really do open up great opportunity for first-time founders. So I invite my founders to look very carefully for the folks that have been involved in your market, who are the mavens in your market, and invite them into your advisory board. Try to get access to them. Try to get your project in front of them, no matter where they are geographically. They're likely not even in your own community. They're probably in another location. But find folks that uh, really can help you drive your venture to the next level. Um, so use your social network uh, to its greatest extent. Don't waste your time on just who you know. Uh, it's got to be focused on who you know, who knows. What's your recommendation for being able to find these people? Okay, you've got your social network, but that could be very, very diverse in terms of 
how connected they are. Maybe they're not connected, especially if somebody is uh, a student and not really that connected with the business world. Right. So um, first start with the data. Um, Try to find the individuals who you know are the actors in your uh, uh, marketplace, no matter where they are. Um, Put yourself in a position that you can push yourself out of your comfort zone. It's not just about the people that are around you who you know, your friends, your colleagues, your immediate social network. But, you know, there are two or three degrees of separation between you and the person who will make your success. Build your social capital by first getting the credible people immediately around you understand your, your uh, goals for the company and, and bring them into the life of your advisory board, maybe as temporary advisors, just to lend some credibility to what you're doing. Put yourself in a position that you get on the road and go talk to people who uh, have done this before. Uh, go to trade shows. Go to big uh, industry events. Uh, try to demo wherever you are and find uh, opportunities to get in front of these folks. Make presentations. Build it into your PR and marketing strategy. But, you know, frankly, it's calling out people, finding that one connection that connected to the next person as a bridge to get in front of the right person. That's the key. Don't waste your precious time on people that aren't going to move the needle. Uh, Try to spend the same amount of networking time so you get a bigger bang for your buck. Try to find the right people as opposed to the people that are just uh, uh, kind of in your immediate referral network. So there are ways to build your social capital profile. The first way really is to try to build credibility by inviting people on your advisory board who know the market. And uh, you'll be surprised. Senior people want to be part of the story. They want to live uh, their lives vicariously through you. If they believe in your venture and they believe in you, uh, they typically will uh, you know, join, join uh, your advisory board. So in your experience, the advisory board is the key to opening the door and having that next meeting with someone who can be more influential. Is that right? That's right. You're building the credibility of your venture, and uh, you're really trying to uh, develop a a great amount of expertise. Uh, It will help you learn your way and your path into the market, and it will also establish kind of a a rite of um, passage uh, as you Uh, evolve the venture to the next level. I like that, the rite of passage. Any suggestions on how to do this without appearing salesy? Because I know some people, they may have great ideas and their heart is all in the right place and there could really be a genuine need in the marketplace. But this whole idea of, you know, asking for help and doing it in a way that doesn't feel like super salesy with the big pitch and everything, is what yeah. turns them off sometimes. What do you advise there? Yeah. Sales is the wrong approach. Uh, sales, i got to admit, is a key piece to entrepreneurship. But when you're building relationships like what I'm talking about, this is actually not sales, it's business development. It's much more consultative. It's more based on the argument. You have to have your homework done uh, because experts will see you right through uh, things that you haven't researched well. Um, approach them from the standpoint of your passion, what you're trying to accomplish, the qualifications, what you've looked to build, and uh, the quality of the innovation itself. And you'll be uh, surprised how many people will just want to be part of the story because they see uh, the answers to those questions. Well, those are great criteria. I appreciate that. Now, over the years, you've seen some great business ideas and plans that have probably gone nowhere and some maybe average ideas 
that have gone on to make money and become wildly successful. What, in your opinion, separates the winners from the losers? You know, um, solopreneurship is a big problem uh, in our market now. For some reason, because we celebrate the, the great athlete, we celebrate the, the, the terrific entrepreneur, you know, I think uh, you call the Zuck distortion, kind of the Mark Zuckerberg effect. We, we don't realize that building a great venture starts with building a great team. And I think uh, across the board, uh, um, building an A-team is the driver to success. Um, so I think that um, the solopreneur needs to quickly build uh, the right skills within their team and, and bring the, the right people in to actually implement and execute on the venture. Um, the second thing is uh, passion for execution. A lot of people stop short of trying to find the market fit. Uh, you know, they uh, just uh, build a solution that's actually a great solution to the market, but they don't think about how they're going to execute on that market opportunity through either B2B or B2C channels. So uh, e either they have to develop sales capability or they have to develop a partnership. And many entrepreneurs don't have the ability to talk to partners. Uh, I would easily say that um, a great many more entrepreneurial ventures have been successful because they've established early uh, highly credible, legitimate partners that can help telegraph their brand and help give them a distribution advantage. Um, the third element I would argue would be to make sure that you raise money from the right folks. Uh, oftentimes people make the mistake of getting in with early angel investors that are not qualified, that can't syndicate to the next round, they can't bring in the next investors, and as a consequence they end up stunning their own growth because there's no secondary round, there's no uh, future source of funding. So it's very important that you um, develop your capital strategy in a way that will allow you to break out. And that means that the investors you take on in the A level will likely recruit the investors at the D level if needed. And then the expansion investors will be recruited by those people. And in order to happen, have that happen, you have to actually think about the quality of the investors you're bringing in. So never shirk um, your responsibilities in terms of um, bringing in the highest quality people on your own team, your advisors, and your investors. And that's, that's really the magic formula in my mind. Terrific. That is really nice. And it's really interesting because in order to coordinate and synchronize all of those people, that's going to require a, a management skill level and also project, project management skills that uh, need to be developed. It's true, and there's also one other level that entrepreneurs tend to overlook, and the importance of being able to speak to senior uh, executives and individuals with power. You know, it's really critical that you have someone who's skilled in business development on your team who can talk to, uh, you know, the Intels and the IBMs and the Apples uh, as if, you know, they're just another partner. Um, they would have the confidence to be able to get in the door of, of uh, those actors and uh, establish credibility and build partnerships so that you can uh, ultimately have a successful trajectory. So uh, don't uh, shortchange the importance of being able to communicate to partners who probably are, are much bigger than you, probably at a much higher valuation than you, that are much more sophisticated. They might not be as bright, they might not be as adaptable, and that's why they're interested in talking to you. Uh, you would be bringing in uh, an innovative opportunity for them, but you have to be able to play on their level. And that's challenging because oftentimes those people are well compensated, they're usually well, very experienced, 
but you'd be surprised how many people really just want to do new venture growth and development phase of, of, of a new business as opposed to uh, being involved in a mature business. So, so many people I meet who are skilled executives really get bored when they're at just the growth execution stage. They want to go back and build something. These are the people that create. These are the people that build. Bring them into your venture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because after all, you know, when speaking to these big companies, if you've got a solution to their problem, that makes their life easier, you know, and that makes that individual more successful within their organization. So it can be a win-win all around. No question. It is a win-win. That's the right way to think about it, Hannah. Uh, you're really building a reciprocity between you and uh, your partner, uh, you and your customer, and you and your investor. The whole idea is to align all of those partners into one framework so that you're able to bring them all together. You know, it's like creating an orchestra. You're the conductor. Everyone has to play in the right harmony to make that music. Um, and uh, you want to align all those incentives so that um, ultimately you can drive your venture to success. Absolutely. You're the composer and the conductor and the recruiter of all of the musicians. <laughs> and the producer. And the producer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it does. It takes a unique set of skills. And, and I'm so glad to hear that that more and more universities and programs such as the center that, that you lead uh, are providing the kind of framework that allows people to start thinking in those terms instead of just winging it. So I'm, I'm grateful to see that. You know, as a matter of fact, I would argue that entrepreneurship now is in the mainstream. Uh, even 10 years ago, I would argue that entrepreneurship at a university was in the periphery. But uh, there's leadership now nationally that uh, has brought entrepreneurship into the forefront. They recognize that uh, the leaders of the future need to have an entrepreneurial mindset for them to be successful over the course of their careers, that the uh, corporate structures that were the, uh, you know, the model of our parents and our grandparents largely have broken down, that uh, people will be changing careers multiple times in their lives. In order to do that, they've got to learn to adapt. Uh, they've got to learn to uh, think on their feet. Uh, and frankly, they've got to learn to become entrepreneurial, no matter if you're founding a company as a new enterprise or if you're within a larger company that needs to be transformed. Uh, entrepreneurship is about change. Entrepreneurship is about solutions. And a university is very much about those same things. It's how do you build societal change in a meaningful way and uh, build a leadership that's needed to take our society to the next level. That's Absolutely. why it's so easy to do my job every day. I, I have the best job uh, next to the basketball coach in the winning season. I think I've got the best co uh, job at Carolina. I think you do too. You know, and you've got such a fascinating career. I'm just curious as to how you gravitated to this whole area of entrepreneurship because it's very hot now. But when you were in your student's position back then, it, it wasn't as, as big an issue. I mean, it was probably needed, but like you're right, the world has changed so much. The, the Internet has made opportunities possible that couldn't even be conceived of 20 years ago. So tell me, what influenced your career path, some of the decisions, some of your thought processes? Could you share one influencer with us that was significant in guiding your success? Oh, and, and you know, this is, this is really important to me because I want uh, whoever's listening uh, that has the same affliction to, to learn from my experience. You know, I thought when I was a young person that I was the smartest guy in the room. And uh, I thought that I had to master everything in order to become successful. So, you know, I achieved and I achieved and I achieved, like a lot of our young people do today. 
uh, and, you know, made all the classical uh, hoops, uh, you know, easy, uh, ended up, you know, doing law school and so forth. But I realized that that was not, not exactly the formula for success as an entrepreneur. I worked with a great entrepreneur who uh, once told me after a while, uh, you know, you know what your problem is, Dollar, is you think you know everything. He said, you'll never be a great entrepreneur as long as you think you know everything. Because then you're really relying on just yourself to be successful. And uh, Robert McNamara's quote, uh, Robert McNamara was a McNamara was kid. Uh, he built the, uh, the, the Pentagon's uh, leadership under President Kennedy, but he was the CEO of Ford Motor Company. And he said, it's more important to know what you don't know than what you know. And uh, that was a mantra for me um, as a young man. I realized that knowing everything wasn't the key to success. It was actually knowing what I didn't know that was more important. And having the confidence to be comfortable around what I didn't know and not being afraid of what I didn't know. Uh, you know, I wasn't scalable as long as I was thinking I had to know everything because there's no way one individual can, can command uh, uh, knowledge and awareness of, of every arena of what they would need to do to solve a problem. You have to rely on others to solve that problem. In fact, you're generally, as an entrepreneur, not the most uh, intelligent person. You're the best integrator. You're the person who brings people together. You're building a great team. So what makes you scalable is knowing what you don't know, being comfortable with what you don't know, being prepared to take that risk, and being comfortable with living in a You know, I learned early on in my life, and I think I, I really want to share this with uh, the listeners who are facing the same affliction that I had as a young person, uh, that um, I thought I had to be the smartest person in the room to be the most successful. And uh, I think that's false. Uh, I learned early on from my entrepreneurial colleagues that, you know, knowing what you know is important, but knowing what you don't know is really important. That's a quote from Robert McNamara. Uh, Robert McNamara was the CEO of Ford Motor Company. He ran the Pentagon uh, McNamara Whiz Kids for President Kennedy. And that quote says it all. If you rely on what you know, you're unscalable as an entrepreneur. What that means is, you know, like a lot of young people, um, if you achieve and achieve and achieve, you suffer the challenge of not, not having the tools to really fully solve a problem because you're relying only on your own wits to make that happen. Um, a successful entrepreneur knows what they don't know. They're comfortable with ambiguity. They're comfortable with uncertainty. They embrace risk. That is scalable because ultimately the arena of opportunity for entrepreneurship begins with that uncertainty. It's being comfortable with what you don't know and actually then turning it into a tool that becomes your uh, uh, catalyst for growth. Ultimately, these are the things that um, uh, drive a successful entrepreneur is a general comfort. Hey, uh, I'm the solution to that problem. Uh, I don't know much about it, but I'm prepared to take a good shot at it, and I'm going to bring the very best people to bear to help me solve that problem. That's usually the thought process of an entrepreneur. It's not, I need to understand it fully myself, and I have to come up with the solution myself because neither of them are scalable. You're really relying on that one individual. You know, you have to build a tribe uh, around a problem uh, and ultimately develop uh, a network of people that are going to help you solve that problem. So you bring your followers in. Uh, and uh, that can only be done by uh, becoming comfortable.
comfortable with uncertainty and uh, realizing that uh, accepting risk is part of the process of being an entrepreneur. Nice. Very nice. And it just beautifully dovetails with the mission of Business Confidential now. I don't know if you realize that because McNamara's quote about it's more important to know what you don't know than you do know. I mean, the premise of the show is that there's all these little nooks and crannies within running a business. And especially as you scale a business that you can't know it all. And to bring experts such as yourself aboard in order to help guide people, provide tips, provide some strategies, and some information to get them thinking and raise their awareness about these issues before they hurt their business, because eventually it does. Things that work in the early startup phases don't necessarily work as processes and procedures as a business starts to scale and grow, and you get past the friends and family stage, bringing in new employees who don't have the same experiences, may not have the full commitment that you do. After all, it's your baby. And that's when little things start to happen that can generate conflict, that divert your attention away from the things that you really want to do with your business, which is helping your customers solve problems. So we're trying to help shorten the learning curve with some of those things, and I'm so delighted that you could spend some time with us today and, and share these thoughts. I'm sure they're going to help people who are interested in being entrepreneurs, just not quite sure how to, to grapple and, and wrestle with the whole process. And you've shed some light on that. And I'm so grateful for your insights. Thanks so much for your time, Ted. This has been fabulous. Thanks, Hannah. So it's been a real delight. You know, I, I would love to leave you with just one thought, and that is, um, you know, a solopreneur will hit a wall, and a, a great entrepreneurial team will scale a wall. And can I've seen great teams walk right through the wall. So it's been a real delight to be with you, Hannah, and thank you for this opportunity to share uh, these ideas. Terrific. Thank you. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website, again, is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential Now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com, and connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back 
with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.